From somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth, this is the Killing It Podcast with a focus on helping you make sense and dollars of all things IT with your hosts, Dave Sobel, Ryan Morris, and Carl Polichuk. Welcome everybody to episode 111 of the Killing It Killing podcast. This is Carl and I'm joined by Dave and Ryan as usual. So I jumped into the uh, uh, the new Coinbase. Uh, did you? They, they didn't they didn't have a public offering but they just sort of made their symbol available for purchase. Right. So down, you know, so they had a target of $320 a share. And then it went immediately at 380 to open, which was awesome. So I bought it at 380. So now it's at 280 a share. Hey, you lost money on crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Only person on earth who lost money on crypto this week. Hey, no, Scott no. Galloway lost money on crypto too. So like, oh, well, I feel better. Exactly. I was going to say, you're not really an investor in crypto until you've lost money investing in crypto. But although if, if you're uh, if you're willing to diversify, you like Elon Musk may start up your own new cryptocurrency at some point in the future. I was particularly amused by the growth that we've been seeing in the last couple of weeks in Dogecoin. Oh, yeah. All yeah. the investors are like, mm, here's the prospectus, here's what we believe things are doing in the future. And the guy who founded it was like, it was a joke. Right, right. Well, that I actually, mean, on Coinbase, you can buy all the various cryptocurrencies in the world, except Doge. Because <laughs> they literally say, anybody who describes himself as a joke, we're just not going to list. Except that 27-year-old founder now is listed as a billionaire, so... Uh, I think he's done better than I did when I was 27. I cannot tell me that the market is not too frothy when we have that kind of thing going on. Do not view the market as an actual indication of any reality. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for people who actually are willing to lose the money, like when I was 27, you could have taken all my money and made me start over and I wouldn't have noticed. Fair enough. So uh, just I would say. notice these days, <laughs> you know, and that's and that's by the way, that is that's what comes comes with time, experience, and age is, is I will notice now. Uh, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I've actually been having le- legitimate conversation with my investment team where it's like, well, do we put a you know, not that I have this massive amount of money, but it's like, do we put a little bit in there because a small little bit might be a massive bet on something. And if we lose it, well, it, you know, it's not going to make a difference in the very long term. But am I going to go big there? Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not 50% of your uh, 401k? No. Exactly. What, what we did learn um, last week for the first time ever, a, a newly drafted member of the NFL, they had their... Uh, their annual draft last week, and one of the new recruits uh, volunteered to convert his entire NFL salary into Bitcoin. And uh, I was like, wow, that's a different approach. But this morning on Good Morning America, they said that somebody made a $1,300 investment three years ago in Bitcoin and just cashed it out because he was tired of riding the ride a little bit. And his $1,300 investment had become $650,000. And I was like, so I could be the kind of a guy who would invest $1,300 in that. But 
I, I don't have those kinds of outsized expectations for no. $650,000 payback. Uh, the fact that people do, this is what we call a bubble. Well, yes. I was just going to say, when when everybody's buying, right, what do you do? You sell. So. Right. I mean, look, look we, we are we are making no bold predictions here with this conversation. <laughs> it's a bubble. It's going to burst. We just don't know when. Shocking. Bold predictions. Bold predictions, Jen. Dave, you're about to get a call from the folks at CNBC. They wish to interview you for your deep and meaningful insights. So before exactly. we do that, why don't we talk about who we are sponsored by before we dive into some real topics. Our friends at PCmatic, endpoint security built on a zero-trust philosophy, allowing only trusted applications and blocking all the rest. Lightweight, simple to deploy, easy to manage. Find out about PCmatic's unique lead sharing program for MSPs backed by a prime time national TV campaign. Together, we bring advanced security solutions combined with more than sales enablement. We bring actual leads. Find out more about PCmatic by visiting pcmatic.com slash MSP. Excellent. Thank you very much, Dave and the folks at PCmatic. Uh, so I believe I'm going to go first here with our story that is going to be focused on an evolution that has, again, been accelerated by our season in the pandemic. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I have participated in the remote food delivery uh, universe in the last year. Uh, oh, yeah. Sadly, not via a drone, but it, I, I have had food delivered from name brand institutions to my house by one of these third party organizations. Uh, the article that we're going to point to here in our show notes indicates that apparently the big business thinkers are now arriving at the devious level of competition inside remote delivery, specifically McDonald's. You can use ways to deliver McDonald's food to your house, which there's a particular level you're at when you're getting chicken nuggets delivered to your house, right? Um, but apparently Burger King has figured out how to play the system by partnering with ways and identifying when somebody, when a car is headed from a house to McDonald's, they might divert them with an ad and, and invite them over for a fantastic food option from Burger King. Now, my question is, is this foul play or is that just really smart digital strategy? Let's say you. Well, what's interesting is I think about what's going on in the other advertising venues. You know, our, our good friend Google, right? listens to everything you're doing, tracks all of your stuff, and then when you go onto any social media, you get these ads. We do some pretty sophisticated stuff on Google. Like if you are in our industry and you went and looked at one thing, we'll give you an advertising for something else. And it doesn't need to rely on your personally identifiable information, except the fact that you are known to go to this site, right? And so I can throw stuff in front of you. This is a different variation of the exact same thing, right? They don't know who you are going from a billboard to a McDonald's when they put an ad for Burger King in front of you. Devious, crafty, not illegal. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, it's, you know, this is, this is like, I mean, you know, I'm the, I'm the broken record on this stuff. Well, look, it's not illegal, everybody. If we don't like that level of it, you've got it. That's what regulation is for. Otherwise, they're going to push the technology as far as, as, as allowed. Uh, you, 
I believe that one of the things that we're going to learn that we're learning as a society is that there is a value on privacy and on your own data. Um, and I think that's the, the core element that we're going to take away with this is that there are going to be some consumers that say, I value my privacy and I value my data and I will now pay for that as a feature. That's Apple's strategy, right? That's we're seeing it all play out with the Apple v, v Facebook over their new ad tracking tech. We're seeing Google's going to weigh in on, on their bit. There are consumers that are saying, nope, I am willing to pay to be excluded from this. And then there's others that are saying that, that either don't value it or are not willing to pay for it or want the freebies in it and will trade their data and privacy for it. And that's that's the that's the bit. So so my answer is well, we're going to fight it out in free market. I do believe that the guardrails need to come from uh, from government. Well, and I will I will wrap us up on this one by saying this again is an indication of a new technology medium that has arrived at commercial maturity because the fact that now Waze is a member of the omni-channel world and it's an advertising vehicle like digital, like outdoor, like television, radio, web. The fact that Waze is, in addition to delivering you food and your body to other places, they are now also an advertising medium. Hey, welcome to the big time Waze and now we all have to incorporate them in our digital marketing mix. Yeah, you know you're grown up in the 21st century when you sell advertising, so. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, so, so we're cutting the first couple of, of sessions a little bit short today so we can spend more time on topic number three uh, just so you know why we didn't go a full 10 minutes there so topic number two today is actually recommended by one of our listeners Amy said hey uh, it's not by by it's not a burrito but the Girl Scouts have figured out how to deliver cookies by drone and so I and actually if you follow the article that we're gonna link to it's really a company went to the girl scouts and said hey do you want to deliver these by drone and of course you've got cute little girl scouts who say this is the coolest thing in the history of the world right and rushing up to it and all i have to say if i took delivery of girl scout cookies by drone i would declare myself the winner well and by the way it's, it's even one level deeper on this this company was already operating their pilot programs in this virginia town so we've covered this a little bit so so it is uh, incredibly well-executed marketing. It is incredibly well-executed messaging because what what story do you know is going to get picked up? Girl Scout cookies delivered by drone. That is just fodder <laughs> to the to the machine. This is the extension of what the pilot program is. I, if you're putting drones in a particular area for commercial delivery, it makes perfect sense that you're going to find small businesses like the Girl Scouts to leverage it with. So I like, I mean, I love the story. I totally get it. I want to observe the, yeah, this is of course the extreme version of that pilot program is my take on it. Well, it's, it's not a burrito, so it doesn't have timeliness and uh, you know, the presentation of other restaurant type cuisine. Uh, you don't have to get your cookies to show up hot. Although everybody, who knows, everybody who knows, knows that they are better frozen, frozen than, than they are just straight out of the box. And uh, uh, to Dave's point, this is, this is the ideal application of a technology. Everybody is already buying these cookies. We're just going to slightly adjust the method and make it uh, newsworthy, make it interesting and fun to do it. 
I actually think that it, it presents the next level of the technology, right? It's not just curious and, and, and it'll go away very quickly. I actually think this is one that is a, an effective case study for other durable goods and items. Think, we, we didn't realize it when we started our challenge that the burrito delivery was going to be like the, the pinnacle of this delivery application because we've learned a lot more since we started the, the challenge. I think consumer goods, I think that uh, things that come in boxes off of grocery shelves, I think that consumer electronics and office supplies, anything that is durable and non-perishable, well, now you can see that it actually works. In this delivery model, you can be location specific, you can be timely enough, and you can be secure enough. And if you don't I, believe I think that, there's a different angle, though. I think... Part of this is when you think about, you know, delivery of stuff, how, how much crap have you got delivered in the last 12 months, 14 months, more than ever? How much of that are you willing to say, I will pay a surcharge to get that delivered by drone, right? right? Part of this is the customer experience, the CX. So, you know, a, a ream of paper being delivered by drone, I'm paying nothing extra for that. <laughs> You know, there were 27 Amazon trucks going by my street every day. Don't need to pay extra for a ream of paper. Girl Scout cookies for only a $5 extra delivery charge. Uh, count me in. Absolutely. <laughs> well, let me, Carl, let me take, because you, you hit on the, the key element here. Because I, when I, when we read the, if you read the article and you dig into this, it's interesting to me that the measurement of success was customer approval rating not value and cost. Right, right. Well, <laughs> right? Well, so what is value except giving the customers what they want? Well, I mean, true, but but that we're not we're not talking about particularly because it's a pilot. We don't have any sense of was there additional surcharge? Was this delivered? Was the drone operator subsidizing it to do this and experiment and test? If that cost is passed on to the consumer, will they pay it? Without knowing those things, like. I don't know. I'm not going to come down on either side of this to say, is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Because I can't actually speak to the business case for doing it. See, and I'll, I'll take it actually a step further to borrow an idea from my good friend, Tiffany Bova. Uh, she has argued quite effectively that the new key metric that we should all be looking for is customer experience, because customer experience is the indicator of adoption, which presents the opportunity for expansion and retention. And in any repeatable or subscription business model, that they had a good adoption experience is the primary indicator of future you know, total customer lifetime value. So I, I would buy that even if it's heavily subsidized in the beginning, if it's fun and it's entertaining for the customer, it's definitely going to bring them back again, which means that it's worth it. Well, if you're a drone service provider, we would love to hear from you and, and hear if you are delivering things that you think might actually be worth the customer experience markup. I, I would love to hear some, because this is one area where I hear all the promises. I have not dug into the math of it, and no one has, seems to be presenting to me the math of this one. But would you pay extra for the Girl Scout cookies, Dave? Yes. Maybe a burrito. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, with that, I'm, I'm going to actually move us into our last one to make sure we have a little bit of extra time uh, today. For this, this one is, I'm going to, and I cannot do this story justice because it is multiple layers. And we're going to include a link almost to the tail end of the story. And I would encourage everyone to dig through this because this is an interesting study in leadership. If you're not following what's going on with Basecamp, you really should. Uh, this is a company that does uh, remote work collaboration software. They can have teams working on to-do lists and communications and tasking and project management, that kind of stuff. Small business, by the way. They've about si had started this conversation with about 60 employees. Uh, so it is it is a small shop. This is not a you know this is not a large multinational you know, tech firm. Uh, they additionally had leaders who were outspoken on culture development and on the way you build remote teams and building culture and empowering people. They've written books, they've done lectures, and they've uh, wagged their fingers at other uh, members of Silicon Valley. And they had uh, some employees that had been working on diversity initiatives within the organization. They had just put together earlier this year their own diversity kind of council around this and uh, discovered in their kind of backstory that they had a uh, list of funny customer names. Uh, you can appreciate that that may not have been as appropriate as it should be and could go as far as full-on racism. Uh, and we're having, a, we're having a debate internal discussion around how these things happen, what they mean for the organization. They, it, it was a heated, uh, intense conversation as they worked through those issues. This is where the story begins in terms of the leadership lessons. Because the leaders walked in and said, we're shutting down all societal and political conversations at work. We're no longer going to allow these at work. Uh, and that set off a firestorm, set off of not only a firestorm within the organization, but one online as it gets reported and get covered and explodes outward from there. Uh, they, they, they continue to push on this and, and the leaders came out further and, and said they were going to offer severance packages for anybody that uh, wanted to leave and then had an all hands meeting that didn't go so well. Uh, and by the end of the all hands meeting, the end of the week of this, about a third of their employees were taking the six month generous severance package to walk away from the organization. They are uh, trying to mop it up this, this week. They're, they're doing uh, apology tours. And my statement on this is, is like, I believe every small business owner should be reading and understanding this because you are seeing the current debate play out in real time and you can learn tons of lessons on what not to do <laughs> uh, but but more importantly that that there isn't necessarily a mapped out way for this and i thought it would be useful for us to have a bit of a conversation around reactions and takes on what's going on in a small business wrestling with this kind of issue what's interesting for me the most interesting thing is that i think we are literally in an era where people are being encouraged to have difficult conversations. We're in an era where talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion is okay, and nobody thinks that's going to be easy. Like nobody from any piece of the spectrum thinks that's going to be an easy conversation, but the time has come to have the conversation. And so to have a company say, no, 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 we shall not have this conversation, it's almost like inviting trouble. And and to me, the whole thing of offering up a severance package and then having a third of your employees walk out, I am reminded of 
Tony Shea's policies in uh, delivering happiness, Tony Shea of Zappos fame. Uh, one of the things they do when they hire people is they, they go through a certain set of processes and then finally they offer them money to not take the job. Like we'll give you $1,000 if you don't take this job. <laughs> and you can do that when you know that people want to work there more than not. If anybody's on the borderline, hey, take the money and run. Um, you don't make that offer unless you think that people are gonna turn you down. And so it's a little shocking when a third of your employees take the offer. I, you have miscalculated your own culture. Yeah, you have overestimated the degree to which your people actually want to be here. And if nothing else is learned from all of this chaos of the last year, the fact that your people need to want to be part of your organization, not, not just they have a job, they show up every day, they have to do their work, or else they won't have a paycheck. Do they want to be a part of your organization might be the most important metric of all, right? To extend Tiffany's logic, that uh, the comment that I made in the previous section, if customer experience is the primary metric, the cause of, that ex of customers having a positive experience is employee experience. If your employees do not wish to be here, I promise they will not give good service to your customers and then they won't want to be here. What I find fascinating here is, again, as we've said before, the, the, the concepts of leadership and organization and culture are things that have been around in the conversation. And I fully appreciate your comment, Carl, that we have arrived at a point where people are more open to having these conversations. The pandemic accelerated everything and technology multiplies the impact, right? This is what people have to remember most important advice I was ever given about te technology and social media, tweets live forever. Don't tweet something if you don't want it to live forever. We need to just admit that whatever happened in the last year made this a more prominent conversation. And then the fact that you've now got social media and Slack channels and other kinds of digital technology, if you think you know what your employees think because you talked to a few of them last week about this topic, well, they've all talked to each other 47 times since then. And the, the, the message may have moved radically since then. The speed of this is really important and leaders have to adjust because the people are moving on with or without you. Right. And, and cultures and societies and engagement changes. Like things are not you know, we talk about it like we love technology. It's changing all the time. Yeah, so is everything around it. <laughs> you, have to, right. you have to recognize that, that the society and culture that you serve also changes and the perceptions of things and the way that you engage. I cannot, I always start this in my head by reminding myself that I am in the business of generating value to customers, right? That's always what I, what I, where I start this conversation. And all of the data tells me that when, I, when, when you work on diverse teams, you engage with diverse teams, you grow faster, you're more profitable, like you, you, it is a better business choice. That isn't to say it's easy. Right? Like I did not sit here and say like, if it was easy, everyone would just do it. But I always start by thinking, by reminding myself of that, that like there is metrics and data that tells me that this is energy worth having. And additionally, if I mean what I say of I want to make sure that my product, service, comment, whatever appeals to the broadest possible market in terms of value, 
That also means that I have to understand all of them, that I have to listen and, and make sure that they don't just look and sound like me. They must, I must understand competing voices and that also competing is an important word because that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to agree with me or think I'm right or think all of my stuff is the same or see the world the way that I do. And if you're going to step into a leadership position, you've got to be really willing to take that on because that's what leadership means. Well, the other thing that's going on here is if you wind the story back a bit, some people inside the organization were doing something stupid that was offensive and somebody called them out and then somebody else said, we're not going to have a conversation about these sorts of things. Well, that means we just leave that bad behavior in place. That's not good either. Right. And, and this so, is why, yeah, and this is why I think everyone, I would really encourage everyone to dig into this story because because Carl made up a really, really great point with that. They were, the employees and the organization was actively working on having that hard conversation. Like they working through the issues, just debating it, discussing it. That isn't easy. <laughs> but what happened was leadership shut it down and sent, essentially said that their position was the only position. In a way, that's the worst outcome possible. Because right. Well, and what I was going to say is that, you know, part of right. part of the way you have to manage is you have to make really good decisions in isolation from specific things. And then you will have rules to apply when bad things happen. If you wait for something bad to blow up and then say, we don't talk about these things, then you leave bad behavior in place. That's not a, that's not a big, good default as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, no, and, and for anybody who has ever, I will loosely say, spent any quality time inside of company Slack channels, um, technology can be a place that enhances the business, accelerates collaboration, can make us all more effective, but also create culture and personality and and there's a there's a sense of humor of an organization right you can you can see not just those kinds of, of chat channels but all these collaboration tools that we've all learned to live with in the last year if you use them well they magnify positive culture if you do not have a positive culture the tools will still magnify whatever they find and you cannot just assume, tell people not to say bad things in the Slack channel and they won't. You, you, that, this is not a question of the tool and the technology. This is a question of the culture and who you are and what you believe and what you accept. And then it will be magnified by the tools that you use and accelerated by all these, uh, all these systems. If leaders aren't willing to define culture prior to the application of technology, that's why people come and go, both employees and customers. Well, and, and I think it's important to highlight that like, you know, the world has changed enough that you cannot exist in quote unquote, the business world that is completely disconnected from the rest of the world. Like that's not how, that's not how we approach the world anymore. <laughs> it, is, it is smaller, that is not necessarily, things are integrated in a level that has changed perception. We are all working, quote unquote, working from home, right? Like that there is an already blending of personal and work and we are encouraging that for, for in many cases, the downside of that is, is that there are those perceived barriers from the past, they don't really exist anymore. 
Well, and also younger folks today, Generation X, Generation Y, they want to work at companies that matter. When they create their own companies, there's a piece of it that is, you know, a giving element that tends to be built in. So when they're an employee in your company, they kind of want to see similar sorts of things. I mean, it, it, it is a generational shift that we want companies to actually give a rat's rear end. And uh, <laughs> that didn't used to be the case. It used to be, you know, go to work, get your pay, shut up, have a nice day. Uh, that's, that's not the way the world is anymore. I've built a few companies and I have to say, one of the things I always do is I have new employees go to lunch with a different person each day for the first week. And I joke about it, but it's true. So they can talk about me when I'm not there, right? You have to build a culture on purpose and have faith that what you're building is what you intended to build. See, thousand percent endorse that comment, Carl. You, culture will exist whether you create it or not. The question is, did you create one that you are actually proud of, that people will attract and retain the right kinds of humans in your organization? Um, here's where it translates into what I believe the tactical application for all of you listening to this show. If you sell the tools that can facilitate these kinds of conversations, if you are an MSP who manages networks and Teams implementations and Slack channels and all of these uh, kinds of collaboration tools, and you do not provide counseling slash billable consulting services to your customers about how to use these tools effectively, I believe that that's technology malpractice. If you're selling a company tools that they could use to either manufacture a magnificent culture or to burn the place down, and you don't go to the leaders of that company and say, by the way, here's a few best practices. Here are some things you might want to think about. If you're not doing that and you're selling the tools and monitoring and managing the network traffic, that hands-off approach is not gonna fly with your customers anymore. Well, the flip side is you're leaving opportunity on the table that's the yes. that's the other way to think about it is you're leaving the high value stuff on the table all righty we want your feedback we're not going to shut you down from the conversation so send us your comments and questions and sadly that will do it for episode 111 of the killing it podcast thanks for tuning in to the killing it podcast Please share with your friends and tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. Join us next week and help us keep killing it in the technology business.